the Bible has to say about mothers. And I just am going to be transparent with you right off the bat. I am a mama's boy. I have always been a mama's boy. You know, like my, you know, I, I love my dad, you know, and he took me to do all the manly things like hunting and, and stuff like that. But I have always just needed the care, compassion, and love of my mother. Um, I needed her to pick up after me. I needed her to, uh, you know, take me places that my dad wouldn't. I, 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 would, I figured out how to manipulate her a lot in my, my young years because she was more... She was nicer than my dad was. There's just a, something about mothers is they, they have this care and this compassion um, that, that I don't think a lot of human beings can fully measure up to. Um, I, I try to do it, certainly at home. Um, I've got four boys, and um, my wife is just the one that they go to for some reason. They always go to her, and they don't come to me when they have issues or problems. They always... They always go to my wife, and um, it's funny, I, I have this weird thing with uh, band-aids, you know, like the kids growing up, all the boys, when they would get hurt, they'd get a cut, they would, they would want band-aids, and they've figured out really quick to go to their mom, because every time they come to me with a little cut or something, I'd be like, you don't need a band-aid, come on, man, like that's nothing, you know, like it's a tiny little cut. And I, I was thinking about this all week about this, and there's the funniest thing. My middle child, this morning, he comes, and he says, Dad, I need a Band-Aid. And I said, let me see it. And it was this tiny little cut. You could see some red, but it wasn't bleeding. He thought it was gushing, you know. And that's normally his mom, you know, would be like, oh, poor baby, you know, and like give him the care and compassion that he needed. And so they, they, they started to realize whenever they get injured, I need to go to mom, right? Because dad is like, no, suck it up, right? You cut your finger, that's okay. Wash it off, right? Put some dirt on it or something, right? You broke your finger, that's all right. You'll be okay, right? Put a glove on. You broke your leg, walk it off, right? <laughs> so they quickly learned that mom has more care and compassion than dad has. And uh, I admit that, that I, am, I have been weak in that area, and I'm so thankful for all the mothers in my life. I have many mothers in my life, not just my wife and my mom. I have uh, a mother-in-law, you know, and there certainly have many mothers here at this church. You know, Kathy is one of my extended family mothers. She takes care of me because if you guys haven't noticed yet in the year that I've been here, you know, I need looking after still as a young boy, you know, like I leave messes around and people clean them up and stuff like that. So I'm just being honest, transparent. I love uh, mothers. And so happy Mother's Day to all of you today. And, you know, the question that has been on my mind is where did mothers come from? Because it seems like they are cut from a different cloth, a different, they come from a different place than the rest of humanity. And, and so I uh, was looking uh, through the Bible to try to get this answer. And, you know, the most biblical answer is that God created mothers, right? God created all human beings, but he created mothers differently. You know, the funny thing is, is that if I, I went to Genesis chapter 2 to find out, you know, how everything started. And God creates man from the dirt, yeah, he, he, he has a pile of dirt and he, he breathes into it and it turns into a man, right? Like, and that's typical, right? Men and dirt and little boys and dirt, right? 
That's typical, but from women, um, something special happened. He took the rib out of the side of a man, of, of Adam, and fashioned it into woman and brought it to man and said, here is your wife, here is your helper, all right? And so Adam had this authority and responsibility. He got to name all the animals and he got to name, you know, a lot of different things and he even gave his wife a name. And you would think that the name of his wife would be something along the lines of, you know, helper or servant or, uh, you know, uh, cleaner or caretaker or something like that. Because that's what a lot of people think of um, when they hear those verses. But he gives her this special honor above what God says as a helper uh, because he knew that men would not be able to survive without moms and women taking care of them. Amen? Right? I mean, that's, that's, I'll admit that. A lot of you men out there think you can survive without them and, you know, good luck, right? But I, I'm blessed to have and surround myself with a lot of caring women and mothers in my life because I like to be pampered, okay? And, but here's the interesting thing that Adam does when he names his wife, when he names the first woman, the first mother of all creation, he gives her this honorable name, and it's Eve. And let me tell you what Eve means. In, in verse 20 of chapter 3, it says, Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. You know, Adam was created. He's the only human being that was ever created from the dust of the earth. But after that, every human being that would ever live would come from the womb, the loving womb of a mother. Right? Who's here today and didn't come out of the womb? Anybody? That would be, that'd be weird, right? You're, you're an alien or something, right? Um, every human being came from the womb of a mother because moms are the only people who can actually give life. You know, the Bible says that in the womb, actually, God is working together with women and, and saying that he, it's, he's knitting babies together in the mother's womb. That is a special role. You know, I got to be a part of that just recently. We had our fourth baby, our fourth child. He's, he's a little over six week, weeks old today. And as I got to see and participate as much as I possibly could in the birth process, Man, that was such a beautiful thing to be a part of. To see uh, the care and compassion and love that she had for this child from conception, from the time that she knew that she was carrying a child. She did everything she could to try to take care of her body and, and do everything right because she loved this little child that God had put inside of her body before she even knew him. And all the way up until the birth she gave birth, and man, I was just like, man, I couldn't do that. Thank God for mothers, right? Thank God for mothers. That is an honorable role that God has bestowed on mothers, and that's why we have Mother's Day. Well, Mother's Day is just some kind of made-up holiday probably for us to have to buy cards and go to lunch and get, get flowers and stuff like that. And I'm not knocking Mother's Day, but it's only one day a year. You know, we should be honoring mothers every day of the year, right? I mean, because they deserve that much respect. And so I've got three points for you today, three simple points about biblical motherhood and some things that God has shown me as I've been studying the Bible over this 
topic, um, and they go like this. God commands, God commends, and God commits, okay? So that should be simple for you to, to remember. Three C's, all with the first syllable of C-O-M-M, God commands, God commends, and God commits, and so for us, the first point I want us to understand about mothers and why Mother's Day and, and, and just respecting our mothers should be important is because God commands that mothers are to be honored with respect and care. God wants mothers to have an elevated role in society. They are uh, again, cut from another cloth, able to provide the care and compassion that not a lot of people have even built into them to be able to do, right? Without, the world, without mothers, the world would be a very, very sad place, I believe. Um, and certainly the world wouldn't be here because we wouldn't exist, okay? Because that's the reality of it. So God wants us to honor mothers, to respect them and care for them. Now I know... This can be a heavy topic for some because you might be here and you either have a, a relationship with your mother that's estranged, it's broken, or maybe you're a mother here and the, you, your kids aren't honoring you today, or maybe you're a woman and, and you haven't been able to have kids or something bad has happened and you've had loss in your life. Well, I want you to understand that you're still included in the Bible when it talks about honoring mothers and how how does not just the family members honor the mother but I want to start off with what the church is supposed to do with women and motherhood you know we're going to look at uh, first and second Timothy and the context behind those two letters is Paul wrote this letter to a guy named young guy named Timothy and he was basically going to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus and he was training him up on how to do church how to do church, how to, how to navigate relationships and all of this different stuff, to how to preach and doctrine and all of that. And he takes uh, a second in, in chapter 5 uh, uh, of, of the first book of Timothy in verses 2 and 4 and tells us that this is how the church ought to treat mothers and women in general. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now, as I said before, I've got many mothers here that I... I would say I honor and respect as mother, you know. Um, many um, motherly figures and examples that I get to even look up to, even as being the pastor of this church, it says right here that we ought to look to the, even the widows in our congregation, in our church, as mothers who can be honored, who can be cared for. And if you ever wondered, um, as, a, as a child in the immediate family of a mother, what does the Bible say on what happens when our mothers grow old? What am I supposed to do? Well, it says right there, repay them, basically. Repay their parents by taking care of them. Now, this might be hard. This might be hard for a lot of different reasons, 
You know, you might struggle with the boundaries of what to do, how involved do I need to get, and uh, maybe you have a broken relationship with, with your mom or with your, your kids, and, and this is the biblical thing, but you're trying to figure out the practical way around this. Well, it's pretty plain to me that no matter what's kind of going on in the relationship, that we should honor mothers just for the role that God gave them how they brought us into the world, and I could never actually repay my parents. There's no possible way in all the money and time and tears and pain that I put my parents through, there's, there's no way I could repay. Um, and they don't expect that of me, but I hope that when the time comes that I'm able to honor God by being able to take care of my parents when they can't take care of themselves. It's kind of like that, that cycle of life, you know, the cycle of life when we have a baby now and he is so helpless, like he can't take care of himself and I'm just waiting for the day when he grows up and gets a job. But until then, <laughs> we have to care for him and take, you know, take care of him and love him and train him up and all that type of stuff. But then the cycle turns as these body, bodies wear out. You know, as these bodies wear out, um, what are we going to do when our, our loved ones enter into that phase of, again, not being able to fully take care of themselves? Will we love them in the way that they loved us? You know, that's something I, I hope that you guys pray and talk about. And if you're married and, you know, you've got several uh, families to think about, that you guys would have that conversation and you would know what the Bible says on how we ought to treat and care for uh, mothers, and, and it also says that if there isn't a, isn't a, uh, a child around to take care of our, our widows and, and mothers in the church, that we're supposed to do it. And, and in fact, it's interesting, when Jesus was on the cross, John 19, 26 through 27, when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple whom he loved, that's John. John would always say this about himself, he wrote this. And he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, Jesus was teaching John at that moment about how to care for the, the older women and the widows. And certainly the mom was in pain. Mary was in pain watching her son have to die. She needed to have compassion and comfort on her. She'd been giving it out and dishing it out to everyone else. Who's going to give back to her? That is the church's job to do. We're supposed to do that, and the church is actually supposed to be the larger family of God. I know that in our culture, we think of our, our families are are like we're this tight little circle and then we all come independently to this church and we all have our own little bubbles. But really the church represents the family of God. And even Jesus says one time when he was doing a lot of ministry and he was worn out and tired, the disciples came to him and they said, hey, your parents, your, your, your mother and your brother and sister, they're, 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 they care about you. You haven't eaten in a while. They want to talk to you. They're outside. And he says, my mother and brother and sisters are the ones who do the will of God. And so Jesus goes beyond the blood family lines to the church, to the spiritual family. 
and says that there is something great going on even here in this congregation. So I wanted you all to, I want you to know that you're included. I want you to know that you're not left out, that there is a family dynamic going on here at this church. And now I know it's, it's a large church and it's hard to build relationships, but hey, we've got time until he comes back. That's what I want you to do, okay? Build relationships with people out here in the crowd today. We do that through small groups, through, you know, coming up for prayer, for serving on teams, getting to know people so that you can know your larger family because that's the way that God created it. God created the church this way. But back to the point. God commands that mothers are to be honored and respected, honored with respect and care, In the church and even in the home, specifically in the home, if we're going to drill down on it, everybody knows the fifth commandment. You've all probably heard this. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord God is giving you. And Paul, Paul reiterates this when he, you know, in Ephesians 6, he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. There is a promise from God that if we will honor our mothers, that life will be a little bit better, I think. I don't know all the blessings of what that means for them in Israel at that time. It was that they would get the land that they were promised, the blessing, the land flowing of milk and honey. I don't know. I'm not saying you're going to be rich if you listen to your mom, but you're certainly going to be wise and happy. I think you're going to have some blessing and joy in your life if you will honor your mother because God says to do so. And the opposite of doing that is sad, of not honoring her and being disrespectful, being foolish. You know, Proverbs 10.1 says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Now, maybe you're here today and you've had that happen in your life. Maybe you're in that very uh, season of your life that you have a son or a daughter that's gone wayward and they're not following the faith and they're making a lot of terrible decisions and there's a special place in my heart for you because I was that person. You know, God wants to comfort you and lift you up and again, that's why the church is here but I am sorry that I was a foolish person to my own mother and she's here today. Um, I don't want to make too much light of her. I wanted to put a picture up on the screen but that would have been too much so... I was that foolish son who was a sorrow to his mother. And I regret that. And I repent of that. And I ask for forgiveness from God. And I I know that I'm forgiven. and, And I don't dwell on the past of all the things that I did to my parents and my mother. But certainly, you know, what I want now for all mothers is that their sons and daughters would honor them. Respect them, listen to them, not make the foolish decisions and not bring their mothers to sorrow. But you know what? It's going to happen. We're in a broken world. And that leads me to my next point is that God commends the faithfulness of mothers even in the foolishness of the kids. God loves it when mothers are faithful. And mothers certainly have this characteristic, again, that I see greater than most human beings in the world. They can, be fo- they, can, they can be faithful even when they're kids and even when the husbands and fathers are foolish. Their faith stands out in such a way that it affects the entire family. The faith, the faith of, of one person in the family 
And, and in this case, we're talking about mothers. The Bible has a lot to say how that can cause a chain reaction, a ripple effect in generations to, become, to come because of the faithfulness of a mom. Going back to the letters of Timothy, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he's writing to Timothy again. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. You know, God uh, takes a moment to recognize the faith of his mother and grandmother. The faith of that, that Paul saw in this young boy as he went on a missionary journey to a place probably called Lystra, and he, he meets Lois and Eunice, and he sees this young boy, Timothy, and he says, that kid's going somewhere because of his mama. That kid's, that kid's going to be someone. That kid's going to have faith. He's going to have strong faith when he grows up because I know the faith of his mom and his grandma, and that's going to continue on. I see it continuing on in you, Timothy. And I hope you recognize that and notice that. In, in Acts 16, Paul, uh, it's actually Luke that writes the book of Acts, but he's recounting some of Paul's journeys. And he talks about this missionary journey when he went and he met Timothy's mother. It says this, Paul went first to Derby, then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Now that means her being a Jewish believer means that she was, she was raised in Judaism, but was converted to Christianity. If you go look at a different translation, she was a converted Jewish woman. But the husband, it says, is a Gentile or a Greek, and many scholars believe that that means that he was not strong in the faith, that actually he was probably not a believer. He wasn't the spiritual leader of the home. It was Eunice, who is the spiritual leader of the home, although it's supposed to be the other way around, he was a non-believer. Now, maybe you find yourself in that situation as a mother, the strongest of faith, which tends to be the case in a lot of families, which we're trying to change that as the church. We want men to step up and lead their homes with the spirituality as well. But Again, the faithfulness of women and mothers shines through here. And, and maybe you're in that situation where um, you're the stronger, stronger member of the household when it comes to faith and leadership. Well, you're not alone. Um, and the Bible has a lot to say if you're in that situation. It says to remain faithful. It says to be strong. There will be fruit that is born because of that. Actually, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it says that if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. And I'm going to stop right there. So... We're on, in this sermon series called The Jesus Way, and actually what would have happened today is we would have been on the sermon where Jesus talks about divorce, but we changed it for your guys' sakes, right? To be a little, let's, let's, let's handle that not on Mother's Day, you know, what, what Jesus says about divorce, right? Let's not make everybody feel guilty. Um, 
But this chapter does handle this, and I'm going to probably talk about it in, in two weeks. I am going to talk about what the Bible has to say about divorce. So I expect the chairs to be filled at the same exact number that they are today, actually. Don't skip that one. But um, this chapter has, deals with this idea that if, you know, in that situation with, with Eunice and, and, and the father, what probably happened was is that she had grown up in Judaism, but she was dispersed into an outer region outside of Jerusalem and uh, Israel in a place called Lystra where she would have, you know, not really been practicing, practicing her faith that much. And she just met a man and they got married. And, and then eventually through the missionary journey of Paul and churches being planted, she came to faith. And did you know that the majority of, of the population of the Christian church tends to be women for some reason, tends to be women uh, are more faithful uh, to, to the Lord and church. Um, and so it's, it's not something that is not uncommon, okay? Um, and so what had happened is, is that she came to faith, but he still wasn't there yet. But this says for her to remain faithful in that marriage, and, and we'll go on to say, it says, for the believing wife, this explains it, brings holiness to her marriage. And the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage if it was the other way around. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. Now, this doesn't mean that the husband and the children are going to be saved because of the mother's faith. We know that everyone has to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and have a personal relationship with God. But what this is saying is that mothers can have a huge impact in their faithfulness in difficult situations that will lead all the way to the faith of their children and generations and generations to come. And God commends that type of faith. And I got to tell you, that's something that happened in my own life, right? As a young boy, I remember it was my mom dragging me to church, right? Maybe you're here today and you got drugged to church. That's the only drug that I, that I will say is good, is being drugged to church, all right? Maybe my mom would take me to church, and, and from a young age, I, I, she was trying to instill in me this desire to want to honor God and know Him and know the Word and all of that, and, and, and even in my... You know, my, my dad's faith wasn't that strong at all, and my mom was the spiritual leader of the household, but I recognized it, and I know that, and God honored that to the point of I'm almost basically a, a young Timothy, and it's amazing. You know, my mom um, loved the Word of God. If, if you were to go to my mom's house, you would see bookshelf after bookshelf after bookshelf of Bibles and books on the Bible. And I grew up with this. And we had Bible verses in picture frames on the wall. And it was like um, she, she, when, she was, when she had a job, and I would always hear her over here on the phone, you know, debating you know, debating with friends and work friends and stuff about theology and, and, you know, what other religions believe. And that stuff stuck with me. And I had my prodigal moment and I left and I, I wasn't coming to the church and I, you know, was living in complete and under sin for a long time in my teens and early 20s. But that seed that my mom planted, the faith that she had, helped me, blessed me, maybe you're in that situation here today. Maybe you can commend your mom's faithfulness um, 
that kept you coming back, coming back to church. There are several other examples in the Bible of the faithfulness of mothers. One is a woman named um, Naomi in the book of Ruth. And we, I, I would tell you, go, go read this book. It's all about the faithfulness of a mother and her faith leading to um, a great inheritance that you and I get to share in. Um, Naomi was a widow, lost her husband, and then her two sons died. And so she has two widow daughter-in-laws as well. And so Naomi says, I'm going to go back to Israel, the land of God. There's blessing there. I want to follow the Lord. And one of the daughters takes off, but one of the daughters notices her faith and says, I want to go with you. And that's, that's Ruth. That's who the book was written after in, in, in verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And so the faith of Naomi caused Ruth to follow her to God. And then what ends up happening is, is that she doesn't remain a widow. The, the daughter-in-law, Ruth, doesn't remain a widow, but ends up marrying one of uh, uh, Naomi's kinsmen named Boaz. And Boaz takes the family in, and they have a child together. And Ruth 4.14 uh, 4, says, Then the women of the town said to Naomi, who's the grandma, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. And may this child be famous in Israel. And that child that they had was named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. And, and some of you may know that the line of David leads all the way to Jesus. And so that promise was fulfilled, and all because of the faithfulness of a mother and then a grandmother. God commends, God honors that. Right? So God commands that we would honor and respect and care for our mothers. God commends the faithfulness of mothers all throughout Scripture. And then he also gives them an authority, a special role, a job to do in their families and in their churches. And it's this, God commits mothers then to the discipleship of their children. And not just to their children, but to the children in the church, to the children of other family members and friends that you have. This is a special role that God has given to mothers. You see, I have a lot of mothers in my life, as I said earlier, and it's wonderful to be surrounded by so many mothers. And my kids, actually, have such a great example in their own mother. My, mom, or my wife... Um, you would think that in the household of a pastor that, like, it's some amazing spiritual, you know, miraculous experience every day when, when, when they wake up, right? Like, you know, we've, we've, we're, we're doing worship together, we're reading the Bible, I've got a little pulpit at home, and I gather them around, and I'm preaching at them, you know. We've got the smoke machine at home, and we're just praising and worshiping. But that's not how it is at home. I'm a normal person, all right? Like, we got struggles, you know, and... Um, but you would think that I was the one who would be the one that would be faithful in, you know, teaching the kids, instructing them in the scriptures. And I'm not saying that I don't, that I do, but I would say that my wife does a little bit more than me. You know, every morning 
Um, you know, I got all this crazy stuff going on, and I'm, I'm reading scripture, and I'm thinking about the church, and I've got, you know, texts and phone calls and emails. And, but what I would always hear in my time of prayer was my wife, mom, in the kitchen with the kids. She's making them breakfast, cereal or oatmeal, and they have all this kind of weird different you know, requests an oatmeal. One likes peanut butter and flaxseed in it. One doesn't like that but wants cinnamon and honey in it. And it's just like, you know, I've been trying to fill in lately, you know, while she's been, you know, having the baby. And, like, they're like, you just don't make it the way mom does. <laughs> Is mom going to wake up with us tomorrow morning? And I'm like, I'm sorry, kids. You're going to have to endure this with me, you know. And, but, but what she's doing, though, is during breakfast, she's actually reading Scripture to them. Reading Scripture to the kids. And so she gets the credit. I don't get to stand and take all the glory and credit for my kids being able to be in kids' church and answer all the questions. You know, my, the faithfulness of, of her. And, and even the faithfulness of all the, the moms and women that are in kids' church teaching my kids. Instructing my kids. You know, like I said, we're a big family. It takes a village. You've heard that before. It takes a village to raise a child. And that's what's going on here. And there are many mothers that have been responsible for the faith of my own kids. And me. And me. So God commits mothers to this role of discipleship of children. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. As we learned in Proverbs 10, don't be an idiot. Don't fill your mom full of sorrow, wish foolish things. But here's what you should do. Listen to your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will bless you. You want to be a king, it says? You want to rule the world? Well, listen to your mother's instruction. You want to be blessed? You want to have uh, prosperity? Now, I'm not saying you're going to have this awesome bling, bling, gold chain around your neck because you listen to your mom's instruction. But what I am saying is you will live a joyful life if you would just heed her instruction and not go after your own wisdom and your own advice. As we go on to the book of uh, 2 Timothy, we're going to see how Timothy had some, some women in his life, his mother and his grandmother, discipling him to the point to where he's at today. But you must remain faithful. Now, this chapter starts out that the world's getting crazy, you know, godlessness in the last generation. And that's this generation. That's every generation. Like there are crazy things going on in the world. And what better thing to do than to keep our kids instructed in the word of God. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. Who's he talking about there? Who is Paul talking about? He's talking about Eunice and, Paul, and probably Lois, as he had already referred to, that they were teaching the son and grandson the scriptures from childhood, so much so to the point now that this kid is equipped to be the next pastor at the church of Ephesus. 
It was the mother who taught him holiness. And it was the mother who led him to faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul is affirming and confirming that. Because the mother, the biblical mother Eunice, sees that in a crazy world, what do we do? How do we instruct our kids? Do we go on YouTube or Google or whatever and find out, you know, how's the best way to, to teach our kids and to, uh, you know, learn motherhood and childhood, what they're supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Eunice knew that it was this book, this amazing book, the Word of God, that can never be refuted, by the way. If anybody ever wants to debate the accuracy and the historicity and the, the, the authority of this book, I would love to talk to you about that. But nobody's been able to do it. And Eunice knew it, and she says, what better way then to instruct and teach my son than with the word of God and not with all that worldly stuff out there? What better way for him to know how to grow up and, and prosper and live in the blessing of God and be saved and to not live a foolish life? What better way than the word of God. And as it goes, goes on, and these, this is my last slide, my last verses I'm going to share, they believed that the word of God was powerful enough to set the course of this young man's life up for success and ultimately for him to know God and be used by God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Every holiday and every birthday, my mom gives me either a Bible or some kind of book on the Bible. And now my house is like hers, and I have several shelves full of books. I don't know if I'll ever be able to read all of them. But she has this trust and faith in the word of God that is so unwavering that she believes that these are the words that I need above any other word out there. And I believe that to be true as well. That's why I became a preacher and a pastor, so that I could tell you this same thing. And so today, I don't want you to feel you know, guilty or like you don't measure up. You know, all of us came to the Lord recently or a while ago and we haven't had this whole thing figured out. But if you're a mom here today and you're like, man, I haven't been doing this. I haven't been, you know, teaching my kids the word of God and I want to, then there's no better time to start than now. You know, this is available to you. When they shut the internet down and we lose power or whatever happens in the, the world in the future, we'll always have the word of God. It will never change. It will never be wiped away. And you have a special authority that God has committed you to, to the discipleship of your children and the children in the church. So as we honor and respect our mothers today, uh, hopefully you leave out of here encouraged and also even challenged by the word of God. But we just want to say thank you. So let's close with you guys praying with me over our mothers. Father, we are so thankful for our mothers. We wouldn't be here without them, literally. Um, God, and, and what I see in mothers is this compassion and care that Jesus had. You see, 
you've instilled that in them that they're able to, to offer it in, in a way that is unknown to regular humans. We know that you've created mothers in a special way and so we pray that they are honored, that you're glorified in all that they do. I pray that mothers are challenged here uh, to go out and to live as biblical mothers. I pray for all of us here today who um, are thinking about how to honor them on, on, a, on a holiday, Lord, that you would spur us on to love, to love them, to respect them, to care for them. Help us to continue to have these conversations, Father. And God, we thank you again um, for their faithfulness in our lives. I pray you would heal the broken relationships that are out there and the hurting ones, Father. And I pray you'd use this church to lift all of them up. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.